Galatians chapter number 5, we'll begin reading in verses 1 through 13. Galatians chapter 5. When you get there, you can say amen. amen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For though for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you. In the Lord that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let's pray. Father, we do bless you. We thank you for your word this morning. Take my mind, my lips, my feet, my hands, my heart. Father, use me, baptize me afresh in your Holy Spirit. Empower me that the words that flow from my mouth, Father God, will be consistent with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, quicken me and quicken those, Lord, that are listening, that their lives might be transformed. And in the end, Jesus will get all of the glory. So, Father, have your way in this place. And, Father, we'll give you praise. We'll give you the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are in the third part of our series entitled Grace. Uh, we initially spoke about the, uh, the law of God. Um, last week we taught that how we are saved by grace and that we are kept by grace. Um, today we're going to be talking about living free. Depending on who you talk to, freedom means a whole lot of different things. We're going to tackle this this morning as it relates to what Christ expects from those of us who have been set free. I want to start this morning. You've heard me allude to it in some ways about my personal testimony regarding my faith and the environment that I came out of. But um, I want to take you back to 1991, for those who can go back there with me. Uh, when I first got saved... I was, uh, when I say 1991, my 1991 experience. But when I first became a believer, I was extremely 
extremely excited. Um, I, like many of you, lived a life of bondage. I lived a life that I was uh, held captive to sin. And when somebody preached the gospel of the good news to me, my life was revolutionized. It was changed in a significant way. I remember giving my life to Jesus, and I remember that the, from the moment that I said yes to Jesus, because up until that point, I was still contemplating. I was still trying to figure out if I really wanted to do this. And when Jesus saved me, let, let me tell you something. I was, it felt like the weight of the world was off of my shoulders. How do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it is like, it's a picture. I, I don't ride motorcycles, but it's a picture of, of, of someone just, you know, if you can imagine those who do, just riding down the road and the breeze is just blowing in your face and everything is sunny and 80. Life was just absolutely beautiful. And I felt like I was so free in God. I, I, and, and it felt good. Two years into my Christian experience, I had partnered with a church. I joined a church out in a place called Reston, Virginia, for some of you who may be familiar with that place, a very affluent area. And the church became extremely legalistic. And, and when I say legalistic, I'm not talking about just a casual. I'm talking about they had a whole set of different rules that you could not find in scripture, but in order to be pleasing to God and to them, you had to perform. And so I remember developing this kind of a list uh, in my own personal walk with God. And, and I remember, and the list kind of went something like this. Well, if in order for me to please God, I got to make sure that, you know, I, I read my Bible at least an hour every day. I had to make sure that I prayed at least 30 minutes. And by the way, I better not fall asleep. Now, understanding something, we, we should read our Bible and all of that, but for me, it was more of a thing of, if I don't do this, God has turned his back on me. And I remember that the church I was a part of, they, I mean, I remember times when we stayed in the church at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I would have to be at work at 5 in the morning. And I was just too tired. And this is one particular time that I just, I, I just could not get up and read my Bible that day. I mean, I was just exhausted. I had been up all night. In fact, going home, I remember falling asleep. And as I'm waking up, I'm looking at a red traffic light and I'm going through it. It freaked me out because part of the culture of that church was that you had to work. You had to perform. And I thought, and I remember thinking to myself, I didn't do my devotion for that day. And I really felt my head was hung down. I said, God, God, God is mad at me. God is angry at me because I did not do my devotions that day. And then there were times that I would pray and I would get so offended because how could you dare fall asleep? While you're praying, you can't possibly love God if you fell asleep while you're praying. And, and, and I went through all of this, and, and, and then it was all, on top of that, it was just the, the atmosphere that I was a part of was very rigid. It was extremely uh, legalistic, and, and everybody had to perform. And you had to do it like everybody else did it, because if you didn't do it like everybody else did it, you weren't spiritual. 
See, if brother so-and-so stayed to 1 o'clock in the morning, then you better stay to 1 o'clock too because if you leave, then you're not really spiritual. Brother so-and-so don't do this or do that, so, so then you shouldn't do that either because if you do that, then you're not spiritual. Now, there, these were not things that we found in the Bible that say we couldn't do certain things. These were just things that we had conjured up. And so I find myself on Route 7 in Tyson's Corner walking down the road about 10 o'clock at night, contemplating, having been saved now for about four or five years, I got, I can't do this no more. Because I, I realized that I didn't measure up. I, there was, I mean, I, I just thought, Lord, you know, I was supposed to do this, I was supposed to do that, and God, I just couldn't. And by the way, God, these evil thoughts just keep coming in my brain, and Satan was just tormenting me, tormenting me. Why? You got these, you ain't really spiritual, brother. You're thinking like that. And I was just a mess. And for a moment, I contemplated, maybe, just maybe I need to do a reverse. Fast forward, 1998, I've been in this church now for about six, seven years and heavily involved. And uh, we had a culture that, that people were not healthy because they weren't allowed to talk. So if people had issues, you know, we all just had to just keep our mouths shut because you, you can't say nothing. Because if you say something, then you get in trouble. And so suddenly I realized that the chains on people start falling off. In other words, people begin to understand. And before I say that, I remember there were people that would come to my church and they would say, the church I attended, they said, um, there's something wrong here and I don't know what it is. I can't, and I was like, it's okay with me because you know, when you kind of like in bondage, you know, if you've been there for a while, you think, you kind of think that's normal. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember people saying that to me, my sister who loves the Lord. And I remember her coming and she said, I don't know what it is. But then some of the people start realizing, start, they start tasting freedom again, and people start, start leaving. And I remember, I drove up to the church one day, and I was so, every time I drove up to the church, I had this heaviness. It was like, the, it was like I don't know what it was. It was just like, it was like this cloud that was over me. And I was like, oh, gosh. And, and, and I knew that something was, that something was happening. And, and, and God has spoke to me on this one particular day. God said that he wanted me to leave. It was my time to leave. So I walked up there and I, I told the pastor and I just went to my wife. I said, honey, I said, get your stuff. And I remember Elise at the time, she probably don't remember. She's about four or five years old. And we're driving down the roadway. And let me tell you something. It was as if when I finally broke away, it was as, as if I was free all over again. In fact, you remember how I told you about when I first got saved, how excited I was, the freedom? I was there again. And I was like, oh, wow. This, this is it. This is what, what freedom feels like. And we're going to talk a little bit in a moment about what real freedom is because we don't want nobody to be confused. Amen. Because when people think of freedom, people got some weird way of thinking when they talk about freedom. But when you, when you think about this issue of legalism, and people that subscribe to the idea, some of us come out of backgrounds like that, but legalists, they don't like, they don't like you to talk much about grace because they're afraid if you talk too much about grace, then people might look at grace as a license to sin. 
And so in order to keep you where we need to keep you, we need to come up with some rules and some things to make sure that you follow suit. May I say this? None of us saved anybody. None of us can keep anybody. Jesus is the Savior, and he is the only one that can keep us. Amen. Amen. He is our Savior. He is the one. So my job and your job is to preach the word of God and preach what it says and leave the results to God. So let me talk a moment about what, what legalism is so you can understand what it is. Legalists are those, and even a lot of times Christians, whose goals is to enforce other Christians to live according to their personal preference. They threaten to rob you of the joy and peace you have in your relationship with Jesus by developing a list of do's and don'ts. Legalists are those who will cause you even to doubt your salvation. As I said to you, I had experienced that. In fact, they heap condemnation and guilt on your head so that you are energized by fear rather than love and delight in God. How many know that it's better to serve God because you love him? We fear God. We respect him because he is God. But how many know that Jesus wants to have an intimate relationship with us? He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to write my laws in your heart that you might really know me. And so let's define legalism. Legalism is the tendency to regard as divine law things which God has neither required nor forbidden in scripture. And to look with suspicion on others for their failure to perform. I want to read that again. Legalism is a tendency to regard as divine law things which God has neither required nor forbidden in Scripture. And to look with suspicion on others for their failures to perform. Legalism finds its root in self-righteousness and pride. In fact, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he says in Mark chapter 7, verses 11 through 13, he says, but you, if a man says to his father or mother, whoever profit you might receive from me is Corban. In other words, the Lord had taught and the scripture had taught that you're to honor your mother and father. So the way that a lot of these religious leaders will, will not take care of their parents, they would just say, well, the gift that I have for you is really going to be given to God because they didn't want to do what they were supposed to do. And then you no longer let uh, let him do anything for his father or mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. How many know that there's a lot of tradition in church them today? And that's not that there's good traditions and there are bad traditions, but traditions are never to supersede what the word of God says. Are you tracking with me? So there's nothing wrong with tradition. But how many know that some of the things that we see today in church, it's crazy some of the stuff that's out there. I don't have time to talk about it. But the, the traditions are not supposed to supersede the word of God. So which brings us to Galatians chapter 5. There were some Judaizers who had said that, uh, yes, you can believe in Christ, and yes, it's okay to believe in him, but, but you still had to fulfill the law. 
There are some things that you still got to do in order to really be accepted by God. And Paul dealt with this thing. And listen what he says. He says in verse number one, watch, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. But watch, he goes even further. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. How many know freedom is worth fighting for? Our forefathers, they came to this country because they wanted to experience freedom. Now, when we talk about freedom, what is he talking about? Freedom from what? Let's talk about that for a moment. It's freedom from sin and guilt. Freedom from God's wrath. How many know that you who believe in Jesus, he set you free from the wrath of God. How many know that's coming upon the earth? And you ought to say, thank you, Jesus, that I won't be a part of that. Freedom from satanic and demonic authority. Watch this. Freedom from others' opinions and obligations and expectations. God expects you to grow in grace. And one of the benefits of growing in grace is understanding that, that we all have to learn how to hear God's voice. How many know that if you're a good parent, you teach your kids how to live and, and, and you got to give them space so that they can learn to make decisions? Am I right about it? You can't always make decisions for them all the time because they'll never grow. Freedom from the curse of the law. Freedom from slavery and allow others to be free. Freedom to obey his leading in my life. Freedom to be me. I got a couple of, I got some volunteers. I can get some volunteers to come up. I want to explain to you what freedom is. Hallelujah. Brother Jaime, if you can sit here and I'll, I'll kind of, uh, I'll kind of show you. I got them already, brother. We got it. Thank you very much. But I'm going to kind of show you what this is all, what it means to be free. Now, I want Christian, I want you to come over here. Christian represents, he got the good part. He represents Christ. That's who he is. He represents Christ. Jaime is you and me. He's the average person. That's you, me, just trying to hopefully do the right thing. Now, this guy, he represents all the things that is wrong with the world today. I hate to drop that on you. He represents Satan. He represents sin and the enslavement to sin. Show him what you got. See what happens. Now, when we talk about freedom, understand something. Because for those, here's, here's the point that Paul was making because Paul says, uh, that shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid, because I don't understand how twisted so some people can think that grace of God means that I can do what I want. The grace of God means that I've been set free. I've been set free from some stuff, you see. And what happens is, Jaime here, all of us, watch this, before coming to Christ, we all was in bondage. Let's put them in bondage real quick so y'all can get the picture. And they did this for free. See? See, this is what sin does. 
It puts you in bondage. Lust, anger, unforgiveness, pride, whatever it is, sin, it, it keeps us in bondage. And you notice, stand up for a moment, that, that when you're in bondage to sin, you don't have the kind of freedom that you would like to have. But what is the, one of the big things that Satan would tell us that, you know what, you can come over here and you really be free. And then after Christians get saved, he tells them again, won't you come on back over here and, and dabble in this sin a little bit. And every time that you and I turn back to our old ways, every time we turn back to sin, every time we turn back to unrighteousness, every time we turn back to that which God has delivered us from, what we're in essence doing is we're letting Satan put the shackles back on us. Paul says, how can you who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why do you want to be back in bondage? How many of you like this picture? But see, that's, that's what sin does. It enslaves us. He is the slave. I mean, Satan is a slave master. He is, a, he is a, a slave master, and all that he wants to do is enslave you, and he wants to make your life miserable. But then, how many, how many know that then come Jesus? Come on. He's, he's our representative. Jesus come. We give our life to Jesus. Jesus come and he takes the shackles off. He comes, he deliver us from our sin. He pays the price. He fulfills everything that God required of us. Jesus paid it all. And when Jesus comes in your life, he takes the shackles off. He takes them off of you. And it's taking him just a little, we told him to practice this so it wouldn't take so long. Uh, <laughs> Jesus come and take the shackles off. Hallelujah. Help him out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For some of us, this is, this is a picture for some of us, it takes a little while longer for the shackles to come off. But, but how many know, but the shackles are going to come off. Now, come, Father, come on this way, Jesus. Come on this way. You represent Jesus. Come on, come, 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 come. Give, give him back his shackles. Jesus ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> see, now, watch. Now, see, now, now, Jaime, now he has been changed. He's set free from what? Sin. He is set free from unrighteousness. He is set free from lust. He is set free from all of the things that when Jesus came and set us free, that's what it means when he says that I've set you free. Now, how foolish does it look for Jaime to turn right back around and say, well, let me go back over here and have a little conversation with the enemy. Why would you do that? I mean, brother, you, you just got free. Too many Christians still live as slaves. And you have been set free. See, back in 1865, many of you know your history, you know what 1865 was. When they signed the Emancipation Proclamation, there were many people, when Abraham Lincoln signed that, that means that the African Americans, that the slaves were free. But there were a whole lot of them that were still living under the old slave master because they didn't realize that they had been set free. 
And, and so the, the mindset that the old slave masters used to have is you keep them ignorant and you can keep them in the field. That's how Satan does a lot of believers today. He keeps us ignorant and then we keep going back and we keep letting Satan put the chains on us. And then we sit back and say, why am I keep struggling? Why? Why? Because you keep going back to slavery. You keep going back to sin. He delivered you from that. So now you're supposed to be walking a whole new way, free to enjoy your life, a great life. I mean, a pure marriage, a, a pure thought, a holy life, a sanctified life. Why? Because he's following, he's patterning his life after Christ. That's how you and I are supposed to be. And so as you as a believer, you got to ask yourself, do you have a slave man mentality or have you really been free? If you say that you've been free, then how do we know we need to stop playing with sin? You say you've been free, stay away. Don't go back. You know how stupid that looks? This brother gets free. He goes back and put the chain on. How do you know? Not. That's why Paul says, God forbid. How can you who have been delivered go back and do the same thing? So every time we play with sin, I want you to think of this picture. Every time you play with sin, all you're doing is you're putting the shackles right back on. And the freedom that you had, you're giving it back over. Thank you. Give, give, give them a round of applause. With Don't y'all go too far. I might, I might bring you back. Don't go too far. But you can sit for now. So now, when, when Paul says, now, now watch this. Now you get the picture. Now he says, stand therefore. Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ now has set you free. I'm free to enjoy my life. I'm free to live a life without sin. See, part of the problem is, I believe, and I want to be very, very frank, that we have programmed, and pastors do this, and maybe I've even been part of this problem, that we program believers to believe that they're just going to live a sinful life. Here's what we say. We say things like, you know, well, you're going to sin today, but just when you do, just ask God to forgive you. How about, how about what, what do we just, why don't we just say, you know what, today, when you get up, today I'm going to be a victor and not a victim. Today, I'm going to live holy for Jesus. Today, I'm not going to go back to the old stuff. Today, why? Because he has put his spirit in me, and he has given me grace and the ability to live a holy and a sanctified life. Let me tell you something. When you really get a hold of grace, you can live long periods without sinning. You don't have to, you don't have to go back into the old way of doing things. But see, but see we, tell, we, we, we tell people 1 John 1, 9, and I love that verse because when you do blow, you need to confess. You need to get back up. But how about just getting up, and getting up every morning and saying, today is my day. Jesus is going to get glory out of my life today. I will not be enslaved by drugs, alcohol, lust, unforgiveness, bitterness, pride, arrogance. I will not give in to it today. Lord, empower me by your Holy Spirit to live right. How many know that's free living? Amen. Yeah. Now you're living free. But Paul was also speaking about free from the opinions of other people. Opinions. Now, I, I, I do believe and I, I hope that from some of you all who are younger in the Lord, that you will listen to the folks that are a little bit more mature in the Lord. Because we can share some things with you over the years. And you know, and, and people come to me and I always tell people what I think and I, and I hope you will listen to what I have to say. But at the end of the day, 
I'm going to tell you, listen, if we're mature Christians, we lead people to say, we lead people to do things that will promote godliness. In other words, that means you may be free to do things, but it don't mean just because you're free you should do it. See, that's what we got to be careful with this freedom because now we've been free. We, we, we know Jesus. We don't have to worry about, we don't have to be enslaved to the opinions of other people. But I mean, you know, people got opinions. Amen. People are always judging you. They, people judge you all the time, say things about you. We need to stop judging people and let people be free because Christ has set them free. Amen. He is our master. I'll show you that in a moment in the scripture. Watch. So he says, Look, look at this. Turn, turn with me to Galatians chapter 2. You're already in Galatians. Turn with me to Galatians chapter number 2. Starting in verse 1 through 5. Are you there? Say amen. 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 I got to run. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. You see, they, they had a problem with Paul because Paul was preaching this great stuff. <laughs> Paul was preaching this freedom stuff. They didn't like that because there's something in every one of us that feels like that we have to be able to do something to earn it, right? Come on, if you're honest, even after you get saved, sometimes you fall into the trap that, that, that God is pleased with me and he approves of me based on how I perform. Watch this, verse number three. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. When he say, say there, he's talking about circumcision, he's talking about the law. You had to fulfill the law. And verse four, and this occurred because a false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty. How do we know that there are always folks who want to spy out your liberty and put you back in bondage? <laughs> Which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into what? Bondage. But how did Paul deal with them? Watch. Paul says, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul said, let me tell you something. When they tried to come in here and they tried to put all these restrictions on me and they tried to add to, I mean, no, you can't add to, that's a requirement that we have to be saved. You can't add to that. And so when people come and they want to try to add, Paul said, I did not yield to them for one hour. I, didn't, I gave them no space. Because legalism is dangerous to your spiritual health. We just explained what freedom is. Everybody in here knows what freedom is. God wants us to be a people who are free to enjoy life, to, to make decisions, that we can learn to hear his voice. And not be a people that are uptight, strict, and rigid, and everybody got to do it exactly the same way. Everybody got to dress exactly the same way. I mean, no, God is a God of variety. He's made all of us different. Every, listen, all of us got different personalities, different way of doing things. We're free. Free, not free to sin, but free to enjoy our Savior. Paul says, we didn't yield to those who are legalists for one moment. Now, let's, let's do this, and we're going to start to wrap this up. Uh, what does the grace of God teach us to do? We got some scripture verses for you, okay? Uh, turn with me to Titus, chapter number 2. 
First of all, we got four things that the grace of God teaches us. Watch this. Go run on over to Titus. Chapter number two. That's after 2 Timothy in your Bible. Did y'all feel free this morning? Amen. Amen. Good. Enjoy your life. Hallelujah. How many know Christians ought to have fun? I think people say, Christians ain't supposed to have no fun. That's their problem. And don't judge me because I go have fun. I'm going to have me some fun. I ain't going to sin, though. <laughs> but I'm going to have me some fun in Jesus. Amen. Leave me alone. Amen. Stop judging me unless you got something to back it up. Somebody say amen. <laughs> For the grace of God, watch this. What does the grace of God teach us? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us what? Watch this. That denying ungodliness. See? That's what the grace of God teaches us. And worldly lust. And that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Is there any confusion about what the grace of God teaches us how to live? That, that's your mandate right there. Two. The grace of God teaches me, watch this, to consider how my decisions may affect other people. <laughs> now, now, now look up, look up this way. Here, here's the deal. We are all under grace. And with grace, we have freedom as Christians. And some folks say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm saved by grace and I don't really care what you think. Can I say that's irresponsible? Because the liberty that God gave us, we also must consider how what we do affect other people. How I many you know that's totally different than the kind of world that we live in today? When the world says you do, you, you do it your way, however you want it, and don't worry about nobody else. That ain't what the grace of God teaches us. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. Did I say 1 Corinthians chapter 8? 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. When you get there, you can say amen. amen. But beware. Everybody say, look out. Lest someone, lest somehow, this liberty of yours, watch this, become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Amen. Beware that this liberty that God has given you that you don't use it in such a way that it will cause somebody else to stumble. You track it with me. You may, let me, let me say it this way. Ladies, you may be free to wear that dress, but it may not be wise to do it because it may be too short and somebody else may stumble. Amen. Men, we need to be considered what we do, how we dress, how we carry ourselves, the decisions that we make because we don't want to make somebody else what? Stumble. I have freedom, but just because I have freedom don't mean that I have ill regard for those who are my brothers and sisters. I must consider you. Amen. Watch this now. I'm preaching better than y'all smiling at me, but that's okay. I'm going to keep preaching anyway. It's the truth. Watch this. See, if a brother is struggling with lust, see, it's probably a good idea not to take him to the beach. See, if I know a brother got a problem with lust, I ain't going to go say, brother, let's go to the beach in the broad daylight. If I know the brother's struggling, 
But so for somebody else, they may be free, may not have a problem. Right? But if I know Brother Hammy got a problem, he's been struggling, he's been having all kinds of issues with morality, I'm probably, well, Brother, I, ain't gonna, I tell you what, I ain't going to do that today with you because, you know, you ain't, you ain't ready for that. You can't handle that. Are you tracking with me? See, if a person is, let's say, for example, if a person weighs seven, 800 pounds and they're struggling with, with, with gluttony, it's probably a good idea that I don't take them to the buffet. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? Because that may be a stumbling block for them. I don't want to take them to the buffet. I probably should take them to a place where I'll, I'll, I'll help them to eat healthy. That's right. We're talking about living in grace. <laughs> See, if a brother is an alcoholic, we ain't going to take you nowhere with his alcohol. I'll give you an example. I was the other day, I was at uh, a friend of mine who is a, who's an elder of another church, and he was retiring from the police department. Anybody ever go to a police function, they always have alcohol. And they, that's just what they do. You can't stop them from doing that. That's what they do. So we're in one room, all of us, because we're Christians, you know, we love the Lord. We're all in one room. And then over on the other side of the room, those who wanted to drink alcohol, they were over on the other side of the room. And so I have no problem. I don't, I'm not tempted. I don't want it. I'm all good. Right? But, but, but watch this. If I know that a brother is struggling and who, who's been dealing with alcoholism, for an example, I am not going to take them and bring them into an environment where they can be tempted. Or that he can think, oh, it's okay for me to do it. Because for you, you can't. You see, that's grace. Understanding where people are. We're responsible for each other. You see? And I've got to cover you. We don't have to go to extremes and add to the word of God, we just need to teach people how to live in grace. Amen. Are you tracking with me? <laughs> so we need, we need to be people to understand this. Thirdly, the grace of God teaches me to allow others to be free. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14 real quick. Run to Romans chapter 14. You know, it was a big, a big deal back in the day, in Paul's day, when people will eat food that had pagan influence. So there were some Christians who really felt like, well, you know what? If there's a pagan influence, we shouldn't be eating no steak and no chicken and nothing like that. Uh, I am convinced. Let me tell you something. I love pork. I'm going to eat me some pork. I'm going to eat me some sausage and all of that. So if you got a problem with pork, then I won't eat pork when you're around me. But when you're gone, I'm going to eat me some pork. <laughs> And you don't want to, you got your, if your conviction is that you shouldn't be eating pork, that's your conviction. Don't eat pork. Amen. But leave me alone. <laughs> Let me be free and enjoy my pork. Amen. My barbecue sandwich. Yeah. My pork chop. <laughs> Watch this in verse number four. Paul said it this way. Paul said, who are you to judge another servant? How many know that, that we all belong to Christ? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. In other words, there's some people that, that they said on certain days they esteem one day higher than another. They make a big deal out of certain days. But then he says, watch this. Another esteems every day alike. Somebody else said, well, hey, no day different to me. It's all the same. Watch this. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Now, Romans chapter 14 are dealing with issues of personal preference. Not talking about issues of sin. Everybody's clear on sin, right? Do we need to preach on sin? I thought we did that earlier. So everybody understand what that is. We're talking about issues of personal preference. 
and your personal convictions. Now watch what Paul says. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not, deserve, he does not observe it. In other words, Paul is saying, look, they both are okay with God. One who decides they want to eat or observe the day, and one who decides they don't want to. He said, both of them are okay with God. Watch this. Look at verse number uh, seven. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, watch this, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are who? The Lord's. Who are we accountable to first and foremost? He's our master. You know, there, there are some things that God tells me not to do. And I, I told y'all this before. I was, I was one time I was on the golfing range. I would go to golfing range five days a week because I was determined I was going to make that white ball go exactly where I wanted to go every time I hit it. Which you, don't, you can't do that in golf. But that was how I was. I remember one day, and the spirit of God, you see, you see what happened? God to talk to you. And I remember one day that as I'm sitting there swinging this golf club, and I was going there every day, and the Lord was telling me, this is before I started church. He says, uh, you're going to have to stop this. You can't continue this. Was I in sin? No. But what God, what God was speaking to my heart because what he wanted to do was going to require my attention and I couldn't be doing that too much. See, some of you got to say, put the video games down. And you know you're supposed to put it down. Why? Because you're spending too much time. You ain't even got time to read the word. How do you know if video games are interfering with you going to church? You probably do. That might be a clue. If you can't go to church, you might need to put the game up. <laughs> grace. See, what happened is, as you learn to live in grace, you know, the Bible says in 1 Peter to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So when you, when you begin to learn to grow in grace, God starts speaking to you. God starts leading you. That's what freedom is. Give people the freedom and let people learn and teach them how to hear the voice of God. And you will discover that over time, God will say some things to you that, that's just for you. We make the mistake of thinking sometimes that every time God speaks something, that it's supposed to be for everybody else. Sometimes God will just speak something to your spirit, and you will know it. And it's just for you. Amen. Ain't for nobody else. So don't be trying to use it in a sermon. God's told me that many times. Pat, Gary, that's for you. Don't be trying to use that. You got a problem with that. Okay, Lord, <laughs> shut your mouth. That's for you. Don't be trying to put everybody else in a They can go and golf 18 holes. You can't. That's grace. Because, you know, my calling, what he's calling me to do, nothing else can get in the way of that. Amen. And God will be calling you to certain things. And you know it. You know in your spirit. Can I do it? Yeah. But I just says I ain't supposed to do this because it's getting in the way of my destiny and what God has purposed me to do in my life. So watch this. Look at verse number nine. For to this end, Christ died and rose and he lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why do we do that? Can we be honest? Why Christians? Christians, we're good at judging each other. Where did they get that car from? Where did they get the money from that from? Where do they, how do they afford that? They do, they do this. They do that. Why are they going to, why are they going to the movies? If you really say, you should be going to the movies. Why are, you do, why, why are you doing that? Why are you going over that house where those sinful people are? What do we do? We, we judge people. And we, and we start, and, 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 and but see, we want a culture of grace where, you know what? People are free. And I've learned, the more I live my life, here's what I learned, to stay out of people's business. 
I don't ask nobody questions. I don't need to know what you're doing, why you're doing. Now, if you're sinning, now I'm going to call, you know, I, I have a responsibility, right? Amen. I mean, you can't be walking up in here in adultery and then we're going to get quiet about it. You see what I'm saying? We got to call, call that out. But as it relates to matter where we have grace, we need to learn to say, you know what? Let people alone. Let people enjoy their life. If they're doing something wrong, you know who will take care of them? God. He know how to fix people that are broken. Amen? Amen. <laughs> not you and not me. Watch this. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt? You know, sometimes we show contempt if people don't see it like we see it. We look down on folk. You ain't really spiritual. You follow what I'm saying? Paul says, why are you showing contempt for your brother? Why are you doing that? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Isn't that what it says? For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God. So then each one of us shall give an account to himself to God. Verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. <laughs> but rather this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. How many know the Bible is very clear, isn't it? Now watch this. Lastly, and we're done. The grace of God teaches me to edify myself and others. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're, we're about done. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I think this is a wonderful verse to read and to meditate upon. Paul said it this way. All things, watch this, are lawful. Now, you know what he's talking about. He's not talking about issues of sin. He's saying all things. These are things of preference. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. How many know there's no scripture in the Bible that tells you that you're supposed to brush your teeth every day? But you probably should brush your teeth every day because you might offend somebody else. There's nothing that really says, you know what, that every day around this time you're supposed to take a shower. But why do you take a shower? Because you don't want to offend somebody else. Paul said, look, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. And he says, and not all things, keep reading, edify. Here's the thing I got to ask myself before I do things. Watch this. First of all, is what I'm about to do, living in grace, is this going to edify me? Is it going to help me to grow in my walk with God? Before you make a decision to do whatever it is you're about to do, ask yourself the question, how is this going to affect my relationship with God? Because it may not be sin, but it could lead to sin. So how many know we need to be sensitive to his voice? And then we need to ask this other question. Is what I'm about to do, is it going to edify somebody else? You follow what I'm saying? Am I going to build up somebody else? You know what? Uh, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, maybe somebody else might need you to show up. You follow what I'm saying? Edification. You, does it edify? Do, am I being edified? And am I being a person that edifies the body of Christ? That's grace living people. Is it in a nutshell? Look, and it's nothing. It, see, grace, we're supposed to be risky people, not risky sinners. But, but enjoying life, uh, colorful, exciting, laughing. I've been a part of a church, and I'm done. I've been a part of a church before, the same church I told you about, and nobody ever smiled at anybody. I mean, it was about as rigid as this could be because everybody was scared. We were running scared. 
running scared. How many know God don't want you running scared? He wants you to be running in love with him. He wants you to love one another. So so here's, here's the conclusion of it. Enjoy your life. Look, we're all different. But, but remember, the scripture is our guide. Stop judging one another and start loving and accepting people. Let people be free because Christ paid the price for them to be free. Don't you try to put no more shackles on folk that's been set free because you're not their master. Christ is. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. Father, we do thank you for that amazing grace. And this is a perfect time, Lord God, as we are celebrating your grace. We're so grateful, Lord, that you have given such grace to us. Freedom to live holy. Freedom to live righteous. Freedom to enjoy our lives, Lord. You set us free from guilt and the shame of sin. And we don't have to be entangled again with the bondage, Lord. We're, we're free today. Lord Jesus, thank you for purchasing our freedom and help us to be people that live responsibly with the grace that you have given us. This is a perfect time to do communion this morning, so let's take a moment and search our hearts. Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. Jesus had said that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Communion is our way of celebrating all that God did and has done for us and celebrating the fact and the reality of his return. And that we're preparing ourselves for that. But let's take a moment before we take communion because many of the Corinthians, they didn't realize how serious communion was. Communion is a sacred thing. Communion is only supposed to be done by Christians there were those Paul said that many of them had died because they did not discern the sacredness of the moment they didn't realize the holiness of our God so as we take communion this morning let's reflect if you committed sin confess to God and tell him about your sin and make your point to, to walk with him in repentance and obedience to walk in his love and his grace that he's provided for you Take a moment, examine your hearts.